Okay, we're going to uh, go back a little bit. Right before the last couple of episodes we did on voting, we were beginning a segment on rights. And I want to get back to that discussion because I think they're, uh, of course, incredibly important. And we were discussing the fact that one of the things that the Bible says is that since we're all born dead in our sins, and since we're all born ultimately under the judgment of God and worthy of hell, but for the grace of God and the salvation provided in Jesus Christ, that we really can't say that we have rights. Since ultimately we deserve hell, anything less than that is grace. And so for Christians to be going around constantly spouting, this is my right, this is my right, this is my right, that really needs to be re-examined in the light of God's Word and what the Word really teaches us about what rights we have. There are some rights that God gives us in His Word, but when we start exalting those rights over the uh, over to the point that w- they become sin, then they become wrong. Paul Tripp, uh, world-renowned biblical counselor, author, teacher, is uh, has a great expression. He says that even a good thing becomes a bad thing if it becomes a ruling thing. Even a good thing becomes a bad thing if it becomes a ruling thing. And I think that's very important for us to understand that you can have things that are good, such as rights. You can have the right to this, the right to that, you believe, and you may have, you may feel like you're completely justified in that right. But if we allow our perception of that right to cause us to sin against God or against others, then that right has become an idol. So it's very important when we talk about rights that we frame them correctly, starting with the basic premise that ultimately we deserve hell, and so anything we get is less than that is grace. And we need to remember that. So this week, we're going to continue our discussion on rights, and we're going to continue our discussion on what those rights look like according to Scripture as far as the limits and, and things that we have. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. This is not a square inch, the new podcast of Hope Prison Ministries. The goal is to help you see all of life through the lens of Scripture. To learn more, please visit us at notasquareinch.org. Okay, so we're continuing our discussion on rights, and I want to go back to one of the most basic documents, and of course we have the Bible, but I want to go back to one of the most basic documents of our society, because there is so much that is being called into question these days. So, the founding fathers of our country, they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So they said there are certain rights that we're endowed with by our Creator that are unalienable rights. They they can't be tampered with. They can't be interfered with. That they are given to us by our God. And I think this is very important, first of all, that, that you note that these were the founding fathers of our country and that while they believed that the state wasn't the church and that the church wasn't the state, they did not believe that their faith was somehow to be kept separate from their 
operation, uh, their operations in the state, in the role of the state that they played. They put it in the document, the Declaration of Independence. We believe that these are these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that those unalienable rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, you you may remember from one of the earlier uh, podcasts when I was talking about rights, I mentioned a professor that I was under at the time at Oklahoma State University who began class one particular uh, semester by saying that that popular sovereignty was the source of rights. He asked everybody to define it, and he said, we the people, we are the source of rights. We are the ones that decide what is right and what is not. And I raised my hand, and I said, yeah, that, that uh, unfortunately, the document you're quoting begins by saying that they were inalienable rights given to us by our Creator, and that the source of rights then would be God and not man. So that's very important to remember, is that the source of rights is God and not man. And when we talk about what is our right, we have to ask ourselves, well, not just is it right according to society, but what does the scripture say about a particular right? And so, you know, right now we hear people saying all the time, it's becoming extremely commonplace for, uh, let's take, for example, you know, men to say, well, I'm not really a man, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body, or a woman to say, I'm not really a woman, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. And so they're saying, it's my right to identify as uh, the opposite gender of which I was clearly created. And we would say, that's not your right. God created men male, he created us male and female. He created each one male and female. He assigned the gender. God creates male and female, not us. We don't get to choose what sex we are. God is the one who creates. He creates male and female. Now, for those of you who say, well, what about the genetic abnormalities or the, you know, the hormonal uh, abnormal or abnormalities that can that can occur, the percentage of those <laughs> is so minuscule in comparison to people. It's the same thing with the argument of abortion. You know, people say, well, a woman has the right to choose over her own body. What are you saying that if a woman was raped, she doesn't have the right to abort that baby? And I would still say no. But even if you say that you would allow rape, incest, or to save the mother's life in those extreme, rare examples, the simple statistical facts, the truth are that the vast majority of abortions are not for those reasons. The vast majority of abortions are pure convenience. Someone didn't want to be pregnant, they got pregnant, and they would rather end the life of that baby than carry the baby to term and put it up for adoption or to do the responsible thing and accept responsibility and raise that child. You might say, well, that person's not ready yet, but there are so many loving families that would love to adopt that child, especially infants. Infants are an incredible demand in the adoption arena. There are so many families that would make incredible parents of that child. So to abort that child uh, is murder period. You know, that's it. It's murder. And so you do not have the right to end the life of that child in you. God created life. God created life. 
God chose whether or not that life would be born. Scientists cannot create life in a test tube. It's They cannot do it. They have to have, you cannot take non-living matter and create life. That has never been done in a test tube. There have been uh, scientific, you know, exam, uh, scientific experiments and things where they've created maybe life from already living matter, but nobody has been able to give life to no, to the non-living. If they had, it would certainly make the headlines. So I'm just telling you that you don't have the ability to end a life just for the sake of ending a life. Nobody has that right. But we're getting off the subject. Of course, like I said, these are inalienable rights. They're given to us by our Creator. And what are those rights? They are the pursuit of life. Life is one of the rights that the Founding Fathers said was one of our rights. So, guess what? That infant inside the womb, that infant has the right to life. That's one of the basic foundational principles. Why? Because God gave life. God gave life. Not man not the woman, not the men and the woman coming together. God is ultimately the one that gave life. Lots of couples have sex. A child doesn't always result. God gives life. God gives life. So a person doesn't have the right to say, I have the right to end this life, except within, again, circumstances where God actually does give that right, such in the case of capital punishment. When someone has clearly committed a murder and the murder is beyond dispute, capital punishment is in play. God says, you have the right to take this life because they took a life of somebody that they had that to whom he had given life. So God is the author of rights. That's a super important principle. Popular sovereignty, not the author of rights. God is the author of rights. God is the author of the one, God is the one who says what is right and what is wrong. And if we, listen, if we would do this, if we would follow this, it would be so much less confusing. There would be so much less strife if you would just simply follow what the scripture says in regard to rights. We have to allow someone to be truth. We have to allow someone to be the deciding factor. Now, I don't want it to be me. I'm a sinful, finite human being. I've been incarcerated. I became a Christian when I was in prison 25 years ago for a not-so-great crime. Listen, I get I, you don't want me to be in charge. You don't want anybody I know to be in charge, okay? Why? Because we're all sinful, finite, blinded creatures. I don't want the Democrats making the decisions in those regards. I don't want the Republicans making the decisions in those regards. I want God to tell me what's right because I don't know and you don't know we need a savior to tell us what's right and what's wrong we need the bible we need god's word remember we talked about this you have to decide what's going to be your source of truth what's going to be your source of uh, what's going to decide for you what's right and what's wrong and i believe that the source of wisdom the source of right the source of wrong is found in the scripture and guess what so did our founding fathers they said the source of rights was God and not man, and that they believed that there were certain inalienable rights that were given to us by our Creator, and those were the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those are inalienable rights. So you don't have the right to take someone's out life without biblical justification, and I don't have the right to take someone's life without biblical justification. Now, let me say something about capital punishment, because I think this is really important. 
It's important to say, if I believe that the Bible says that capital punishment is right, I have to qualify it and say, capital punishment is right if it's done according to biblical standards. What I mean by that is, one of the things that the scripture required in order for capital punishment to take place was the incontrovertible testimony of two or three witnesses. There had to be at least two witnesses for capital punishment to be carried out. Not one witness, but two. Now, certainly DNA would count as a scientific evidence of witness, and then there could be another witness, but there had to be two. There are lots of people who had been put to death with less evidence than that. So, I would have to say capital punishment is biblical if it's done according to biblical standards, if it's carried out with that kind of evidence and that kind of, uh, you know, obvious statement or proof, then it certainly is, you know, 100% biblical to put someone to death if they've taken the life of someone else. I mean, come on. You have these people who are killing people. They're walking in a theater. They're opening up fire on 35 people in a theater. You can say they have mental illness issues. You can say they have this, they can have that. But the fact that they walked into a theater and opened up fire on 35 people or something is clear and indisputable and beyond a reasonable doubt. And so if somebody walks in and they open up that kind of mass murder on somebody, Listen, you can argue that you may think they're insane, and certainly there is definitely something wrong. The elevator's not going all the way to the top. There's no question about that. But the Bible would sanction capital punishment because there's no clear, there's no explanation that's going to, there's nothing that you could say to get that person off. They did it. They walked in, they opened fire. This this issue with the George Floyd killing where, I, you know, you've heard me say this before. George Floyd, the, the officer held him down. Uh, you know, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I need to breathe. I need to breathe. And it was nine minutes and it was incontrovertible that what happened there. Listen, skip the trial. <laughs> Just get it over with. If there is a clear cut, clear cut rock solid case against somebody that they murdered somebody and there's no evidence to the contrary as to why like it was self-defense or whatever if it's beyond dispute and it's known and it's there and it's in the just do it get it over with we don't need to have people appealing for 30 years on death row trying to look for technicalities and loopholes that i don't think that's merciful to them it's not merciful to the system it's not merciful to the families now i'm not advocating vigilante justice but what i am saying is the laws need to be swift they need to be quick they need to be biblical and so if someone commits a crime like that and it's beyond a reasonable doubt, and there's no evidence to the contrary that, that some, some exception should be made, then we just need to do it. But on the other side of that, if there is evidence to the contrary, if there are questions about the person's sanity, if there are questions about other things that might mitigate the circumstances or change whatever, or you know, create some kind of biblical or legal exception, then that person should not be put to death because we know that the fact is, people have been executed wrongly. I mean, it has happened. It's come out later. We don't want people to be executed wrongly. But the Bible does allow for the capital punishment. It is it is one of the rights of if someone takes your life, takes the life of someone else you love, you have the right, according to Scripture, to see that person put to death, to have capital punishment carried out. You, you know, again, with regard to abortion, you do not have the right to end the life of that unborn baby. 
There's nothing in Scripture that gives you that right to end the life of an unborn baby who can't speak for themselves, who can't defend themselves, and who, even according to our founding fathers, have the inalienable right to life. To life. We have the right to life. InmateMentors.com Help us help your loved one. We write letters, send books, accept collect calls, help those incarcerated plan and prepare for release, and create parole packages. To learn more, please visit InmateMentors.com. Okay, so we talked about having the right to life. So we said on one end of the spectrum, we don't have the right to take the life of an unborn baby because God gives life, not the human. Uh, It's not the male or the female or the sex that actually gives life. It is actually God who must make that process come to fruition. So we don't have the ability to end a life that we didn't create in the first place. With some exceptions, there is the ability to end the life on the other side of the spectrum with regard to murder or somebody who's committed one of these horrible capital offenses in the scripture. And if that offense was committed and it's beyond the shadow of a doubt and the evidence is crystal clear and there's no obvious exception biblically or legally, then we know that we, you know, certainly have the ability uh, to to carry that out and to to do the right thing to end the life of the person who took another person's life. Those those rights have been given in Scripture, and they're very clear. So I think that's important to note. The second right that we were given, the inalienable right, was the right life, uh, the right to liberty. We're given the right to be free. To be free, to pursue liberty. Now, we're not given the right to make other people pay for that liberty. We're not given the right to forcibly take that liberty. We're given the right to to take the liberty we have and to actually pursue that liberty and to do it in a in a just and fair way, to do it according to the laws of the land, according to scripture and all of that. We're given the right to for the pursuit of happiness making money, you know, having good benefits, having a retirement plan, having, you know, kids, having a home, having a car, having a job, having all those things. Listen, you have the right to pursue those things. But here's the issue. The issue is, does the Constitution, and this is where we get into so many problems today, those inalienable rights do they contain within them the right to make others pay for it? (laughs) So I have the right to pursue happiness. I have the right to get a job. I have the right to earn money. I have the right to buy a home. I have the right to get a car, blah, 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 on and on and on, right? But some people would go so far as to say, well, because I have the right to pursue happiness, I also have the right to make someone else pay for my happiness. I have the right to expect someone else to provide health care for me. I have the right to expect someone else to do this, to do that. Listen, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm a big, fat guy, okay? I have a face made for radio. I'm a type 2 diabetic. I've lived most of my life eating the wrong way, and now I'm paying the consequences of having done that. I'm going to be totally transparent and honest about that, okay? And I'm trying to make some changes now, but the bottom line is, I did this to myself. I don't have the right to make somebody else pay for my health care because I was an idiot, okay? I have the right to pursue happiness. I have the right to liberty. But I don't have the right to make someone else pay for my stupidity. 
And that's what a lot of people believe right now. They believe, well, you know, I did all these things to myself. I put myself in this position. I have horrible credit. I have a horrible job. Now, I'm not saying this about me necessarily, but I have horrible credit. I have a horrible job. I have this. I have that. And I can't do these things. And part of my constitutional right is the right to pursue happiness. So I have the right to expect other people to help me get there. Wrong answer. There is nothing in Scripture, and there is nothing in the Declaration of Independence, there is nothing in the Bill of Rights that gives you the right to expect other people to help you with your pursuit of happiness. You just don't have that right. You have the right to pursue happiness. You don't have the right to happiness at someone else's expense. Okay? Again, we're talking about biblical rights, letting God say what is our rights, we're, we're looking at the Declaration of Independence as kind of the basis for that because so many people today are calling into question the founding documents, the, the documents of the founding fathers and what those interpretations mean. You know, uh, the recent Supreme Court Justice, Amy Coney Barrett, I think is an ACB or something. She was, she's an originalist. She, she says it's not her job to reinvent, reinterpret the will. She wants to interpret the documents as they were originally intended. So note, the pursuit of happiness does not equal happiness. Your right to pursue happiness means you have the right to get an education, you have the right to get a better job. You have the right to seek better employment. You have the right to start your own company. You have the right to do a lot of things that will help you attain that goal of happiness, but you don't have the right to make someone else pay for it. Now, same thing with regard to, you know, again, back to abortion, back to capital punishment, back to all these different things that we could talk about under this context, you know, health care and all of these different things. You have the right to all of those things. But you don't have the right to make someone else pay for those things if you're going to pursue them. So the Founding Father says, you know, these were inalienable rights. They're self-evident that all men are created equal. You have the right to be treated equally. Okay? You have the right to be treated equally. And I'm going to say something. I am a white, conservative, Christian Republican. Okay? Hands down. However... I know there are a lot of people who disagree with me with this statement, but I'm just going to say it. If you don't think, if you can't see the impact that slavery had on our brothers of color, you are blind, okay? You are blind. The, the tremendous impact that slavery had on our brothers of color for generations keeping generations down is just unimaginable. But I love a quote from W.E.B. Du Bois and the Souls of Black Folk. And I, I'm just, I, I tried to search for the quote, but I have it somewhat memorized. It may not be verbatim, but this is what he said. The devil in the deep sea. The white man who refuses to accept slavery's come to an end and the black man who refuses to use his freedom as an opportunity for self-improvement. The devil in the deep sea. And I think that that describes so well so many of the prevalent attitudes, even today, hundreds of years after slavery. I didn't have anything to do with slavery, but hundreds of years after slavery, I think that describes so well that there are those who want to keep other people down, and there are those who refuse to use what freedoms they do have and what chances they have and privileges they have as opportunities to improve themselves because they just want everything handed to them. 
It's a sense of entitlement. And it's happening everywhere. My wife and I were talking about this before I began the podcast today. She was talking about, are you going to talk about this millennial sense of entitlement that's out there? Like, you know, you have the right, we're talking about, you have the right to life, liberty, and happiness. You have the right to expect other people to pay other people to pay for it. Here's the reality. The reality is whether you're a person of color or you're a person, uh, you know, not of color, the reality is there are tremendous opportunities out there for you. The tremendous opportunities. We live in an amazing country. And you have the right to pursue happiness. You have the right to life, liberty, and happiness. You have the right to pursue it. You have the right to work hard for it. But stop expecting everybody to hand you something. Either because generations ago there was slavery or because today in today's society you grew up in a bad neighborhood your mom was an alcoholic your dad was a drug addict whatever nobody's trying to hear that mess okay here's the reality there's a lot of opportunity out there for you and you just have to go after it you have to go after it that's your right you have the right to go after it and to pursue it legally in a godly manner and here's the reality if you do that if you truly seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and you seek to to build yourself up and to be educated and to pursue a career or a company or whatever it is i am thoroughly convinced that god will open up the door for that to happen for you if you're doing it in the right way for the right reasons it'll happen and there are so many evidences all around us of that, no matter what you say. Hey, we did just have a black president of the United States. And right now there's a black woman on the, a woman of color anyway, uh, running for vice president of the United States. Okay. So the reality is, no matter what your skin color, no matter what your background, no matter what your sob story, the reality is, this is an incredible country and you have the ability to do something. You have the ability to create something. You have the ability to get out there and make things happen and make it rain. You have the ability to do those things. You have the right to pursue those things. You do not have the right to be treated in a poor way. You don't have the right to be treated differently than another person because of the color of your skin. That is horrible. The Bible ultimately completely condemns condemns racism. I do not have the the right, according to scripture, to look down on somebody because of the color of their skin. That is absurd. Remember that it is God. In Acts 17, it says it's God who determines everybody's boundaries and dwellings and where they live and who your parents were and all of those things. All of those things were determined by God. Somebody did not choose the color of their skin. Look, nobody, I did not choose to be white, born to white parents. I did not choose to have a good education or not have a good education. Or I should say, I did not choose to have the ability to learn or not to have the ability to learn. Some of those faculties and those things were given to me by God before I was born. Other people, same thing. People of color, people not of color. It doesn't matter. You didn't choose where you'd be born. You didn't choose what color skin you'd have. You didn't choose any of that. So for me to look down on somebody for something they had absolutely nothing to do with is absurd. Now, if somebody looks at me and goes, gee, he's fat. He needs to stop eating so much. You're right. You show right. So, yeah, okay. You've got the ability to look down on people and hold their decisions and their choices against them. And that person doesn't have the ability to look at you any any you know wrongly because you're doing that. That those are choices they made. Those are their choices. But you can't look down on somebody for the color of their skin. You can't look down on somebody for their you know for their 
for any of the, any reasons that they can't help that are beyond their ability to help. There was nothing they could do about them. There are some people that are born developmentally delayed. They have lots of issues. They have may, may have mental, they may have mental health issues. They may be schizophrenic. They may be this. They may be that. And there's nothing that you can look down on them for because those are things that they were born with. They did not do those things to themselves. There are those even that get these things after the fact. Like I know because I'm in prison ministry, of course, I deal with a lot of people who have mental health issues. And some of those mental health issues, frankly, they were created by the fact that they were abusing drugs and that now they've become a schizophrenic. I think that the resulting damage of drug abuse and how it can turn people into a vegetable, I think this is probably one of the worst epidemics in our country right now. Young people don't have a clue. Let me tell you, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're a parent, play this for your kid. Listen, as one who deals in prison ministry, let me tell you very, very upfront and open about this. You th- you're worried about, you know, your parents are like, don't use drugs. You could go to jail. Don't use drugs. It'll ruin your life. Let me tell you, the biggest thing I think you need to be worried about is that that next hit could be the bad hit that fries your brain cells and turns you into a schizophrenic. I mean, I am not kidding you here. I see it happen all the time. People who are using illegal drugs, it absolutely fries their brain cells and it turns them into a vegetable for the rest of their lives. They'll never be the same again. Never. And when that happens, okay, someone's sin now. This was their own willful sin. They abused drugs and they've become a vegetable. And so now again, here again, I can't hold that. Once they've, their sin has taken them to that place, I can maybe say, well, they were wrong for abusing drugs. But now, now my charitable side needs to come out and I need to show mercy and grace and compassion and try to help that person because now the situation they're dealing with is out of their control. There's a lot of that in this country. There's a lot of what's going on. We've got people just slipping through the cracks, people who have issues that they're not getting the help they need. They're not getting the the resources they need. And some of it is completely beyond their control. And some of it, they could do something about. But they don't have the right to make other people do it. We should just want to do it because of what God has done for us. Thank you for listening to Not a Square Inch, the podcast of Hope Prison Ministries. Join us next time. To learn more, please visit us at notasquareinch.org.